Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Let me read this real quick. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. If you're standing, you can stand. If you're seated, it's all right. But if you want to stand, we'll honor the word. I know I had you up and down a little bit. But that's good. You don't have to exercise, right? This is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. Um, All right. Uh, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. If you were here two weeks ago, you know this was my text um, from two weeks ago, but I want to turn the corner today and move from this idea of the next generation into um, just allowing God to flow through us and what God will do if we'll let him do that, even through the lens of this offering at the end of the year. So uh, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Um, the, the, the widow says, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. And Elisha says, borrow as many uh, jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting aside each one when it's filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. They said, there are not any more. He told her, then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Uh, Tell somebody next to you, pour it out. Pour it out. You can be seated. God bless you for being in the house. Um, I, uh, I, I appreciate um, this house and, and all the good things that God is doing. Um, if you'll preach with me today, I'll preach quick. Is that all right? So, now I don't know what to do. Somebody was like, yeah, go long. Somebody was like, yeah, go short. Somebody was like, the dolphins game. No, so nobody said that. If you were one of that, you should have been the first service. Um, you know, um, no, I, I, uh, I love uh, being able to take an opportunity there for the offering, and I've loved these ministry spotlight moments. It makes me want to do this every year. Maybe I will. We'll see. Um, but um, so we come to the end of the year now, and, and I, I, uh, if you're visiting with us, I, 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 I usually teach giving um, at the beginning of the year. We'll kind of touch on these goals that we have for our, our offering side of things, and beginning of the year is a great opportunity for that. You know, how many know in the beginning of the year, like, you're ready to save money, you're ready to pay your house off, you're ready to lose weight, you're ready to get in shape, guys, you're ready to get, you know, in the gym, and, and ladies, you're ready to just do all the lady stuff, whatever that is, and it's just like, 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 we're, you know, so the beginning of the year is a great time to to just to just teach. You say, hey, let's let's bless God's house. Let's let's be obedient with the Lord, and and you're going to be blessed and all these good things. But then at the end of the year, I always like really um, doing an offering because the first time I ever did it, I called it a harvest offering because you know at the end of the year is kind of the harvest. Like we've we've tilled the 
the ground, we've planted the seed, we watered the, the crops and all this stuff, and now it's time to pull the apples all off the tree. Or this is Florida, so pull all the limes off the tree, all the oranges off the tree. There's a harvest, and when God's blessed us, we want to bless the Lord. And so when I was a young pastor, and I'm still young, I guess, but when I was a 28, 29-year-old pastor, uh, I, uh, I remember that I, I was like, you know what, let's do an offering for the Sunday school rooms, the kids' church rooms over there. I've, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been in kids' ministry, but kids' ministry is especially rough on the carpet. I'm telling you, they go through carpet like they go through teaching books. It's just, you know how it is. And so I came to the church, and this was a big number. Again, I was young, and I came to the church. I said, church, if we could get $5,000, that was a big number to me at the time. Church, if we get $5,000, we could recarpet all of the classrooms over there. And would you know it, the church jumped on board with that harvest offering. We got $12,000 when we only needed five. So we just recarpeted like everywhere got new carpet. But you know what? God taught me a lesson in that. If you will not ask, you will not receive. You have not because you ask not. And what God showed me is a lot of times there's enough oil in the house if we'll just keep pouring. And what I want to tell you today is God is not running out of oil. God just runs out of vessels. So if you're like, hey, my business is struggling, my family's struggling, God's not running out. He's just running out of people that trust Him enough to pour out of what they have. But if you'll release what you have, God will connect you to a source that you will never run out Jesus said, look, the harvest is ready. He just said, the laborers are few. There's plenty of harvest. There's plenty of oil. God isn't running out. And remember, this was oil. They weren't pouring Coca-Cola. Don't get thirsty now. They were pouring oil. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Can I just remind somebody that God is not running out of Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost anointing, Holy Ghost healing, Holy Ghost provision, is that all right? He's not running out of oil. He just runs out of vessels. And so, so from this passage and, and, and many others, and, and I was going to just try to be quick, but we've done so many other offerings at the end of the year, and, and God has just always uh, worked through us, and it was just amazing, and I love this church, but I remember uh, like another one of those years, um, it was just kind of dated in the sanctuary and in the lobby, and, and uh, the bathrooms kind of needed redone, and, and, and in here needed redone, and all kind of stuff. And so I, I, I came to church with a vision, and, and I remember drawing it up on a notebook, and just, we could do the lights this way, and, and we could get another projector, and we could, we could knock out a wall in the lobby, and we, we need some more space in the lobby. We need, and, and we came to the church, and I said, you know, phase one would just be to do the lobby. And that would be just kind of a faith goal. If, if we could get to this dollar amount, and I don't remember what it was now, but if we could get to this dollar amount, we could redo the lobby. But if we got to this dollar amount, it'd be a miracle. So we got a faith goal and we got a miracle goal. And the faith goal was to do the lobby in the bathrooms. A miracle goal was to do in here as well. And it wasn't a whole lot of stuff. It was just lights and, and all kinds. And, and um, the same kind of thing happened. 
we hit that faith goal and we kept on trucking and we did the miracle goal and God just showed me again. There's a miracle in the house if we will open our hands, if we will open our mouth, if we will open to what God is doing, God will connect us to the source. I remember years ago too, this over here was a dirt parking lot. And I remember especially one time, there was a, I think it happened more than once, there was one of the good ladies of the church and she came in kind of limping. And it looked like she was limping like this into church. But at second glance, one of her heels had broke. So she was like 5'8 on one foot and like 5'3 on the other foot. And it was kind of a, this thing. It was like, well, what happened? Her heel got stuck and it was like a rainy Sunday. And her heel got stuck in the dirt out there, snapped one of them off. And it was like, we got to get a parking lot, Lord. These folks are breaking their heels, you know. And it's like, I don't know. And so now we've got blacktop and asphalt. That was a great blessing that we did one year. And God has just worked through us all of the time. And I want to tell you, it's time. We fill in this house up two times. God has a blessing in store. I don't know what it is. I don't have access to it yet. But if I'll start pouring, I believe God will connect us to the right people, to the right places, to the right things, to the right sources. There'll be businesses come out of this house. Come on, somebody ought to get a hold of it. There'll be businesses that will grow from that source. There will be blessings, new, new positions that will come when we begin to pour. And that is the miracle of the Holy Spirit. From this passage and more, there's an ability that God has given us through the oil of the Holy Spirit. But He's waiting on vessels Amen. that will pour what they have. When it might not be enough, but I'll pour what I have. And God connects you to the source. Acts 19 shows us that God does extraordinary miracles. I've always loved Acts 19 because actually the definition of a miracle is a miracle is extraordinary. You with me? But the Bible said Paul was doing extraordinary miracles. So in this category of extraordinary, there's another category of extraordinary, extraordinary. But guess what? God does the extra, extraordinary with an ordinary vessel. Because Paul reminded us, I was a chief of sinners. You think you got things in my, your past? You don't even want to know about my past. And so God says, I'm doing extra, extraordinary things through an ordinary vessel. You don't have to... You just need to be willing. I want to tell the church today the best ability is the availability to just say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'll pour it out. I'll stand up. I'll open my mouth. I'll open my hand. I'll step out into service. I'll do what you've called me to do because God will do the extraordinary through just an ordinary vessel. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. And as ordinary people, we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Greek word for power of the Holy Spirit is dunamis? Now, you might not know what dunamis is, but you know what dynamite is? And it's the same word. Somebody threw a firework outside the church office last night, and I jumped me out of my chair. I was here working later in the night, and I was like, July 4th? Or what is going? New Year's? What is going? But you know, power of dynamite is explosive. That is the power that God has available to us. God's power does what we cannot do. 
but he does it through you. So many Christians sit the sideline and want God to perform the miracle, but most often God is doing the miracle through you. It's God's resources you don't have, but he gives you access to. It's God doing what we can't do, but he's doing it through you. Acts 19 said he's doing it by the hands of Paul. It's dynamic, it's powerful, it's miraculous, and it's available to all of us in this house. I just want to say one more time that the miraculous power of God is available if you'll just be a vessel. And through that, God will open doors in your life. He will put undeniable favor on you. He will answer your prayers. He will open heaven. He will bring the will of heaven to earth in your life. There can be instantaneous healing, angelic protection, freedom from addiction, favor with people, favor with cities, favor with business, favor financially, new beginnings, the right word at the right time and the right person at the right place. Those are divine appointments that God has available to you. If you'll just say, I'm a willing vessel, here am I, send me, I'm opening my hands, I'm opening my mouth. And God has made it available to us. Amen. And so, and so I, I'm getting excited today because I love this word here. But every time you see this happen in the Bible, and this, this was so obvious to me when I did this miracle series through the fall, but out of the summer into the fall, but every time you see this in the Bible, it will always come with either instruction to obey or a question to answer. Every time. When you pray for a miracle, when you're seeking God for something, every time it will come with instruction to obey or a question to answer. Because while God is doing something for you, the real thing is the process that God wants to do in you. The miracle is a blessing, absolutely. But it's also growing, building, and sanctifying a process in you and in your faith. Think about when Jesus asked Peter to step out of the boat. That was a miracle to see a man walking on water. But you got to realize it wasn't really about walking on water. It was about growing Peter's faith to step out of the boat onto a wave in the middle of a storm. Like, yeah, when Peter went home that night or next week, next month, next year, it's kind of cool to say, I walked on water, right? But that doesn't have a lot of utility. But his faith has utility to say, you know what? When I was in a storm and everybody was afraid in the boat, faith overtook my fear and I was not afraid to even in the boat and I wasn't afraid to step out on the wave. Because I'd rather be with Jesus on a wave than in a boat without Jesus. Because if I'm in a storm and I got Jesus, I got everything that I need. And I'll tell you, that level of faith was much more valuable than the story I walked on water. So what God is trying to do in you is more important than the thing that blesses you because your faith is grown, you're sanctified, you're built up in your holy faith. God wants to do it for you, but he wants to do it in you. Are you still with me? And if you are not willing to obey the instruction, if you're not willing to, to answer the question, 
then you're not ready for the miracle. You're not ready for the power of God that He wants to do in your life. Make no mistake, the Bible says it is His good pleasure to bless you. Jesus said it is your, father, your Father's heart to give you good gifts. He said you're imperfect fathers and you want to give your children good gifts. How much more does your Heavenly Father want to give you good gifts? So let me just tell the house today, God has something good for you. God has a good plan for you. God wants to bless you, wants to enlarge you, but he knows that he has to do something in you before he can do something through you. So he asks the question, the man of God asks the woman the question. Remember, whenever God wants to do something in your life, and actually for all of us in here, what is stopping the thing that God wants to do in your life is because you haven't obeyed the instruction or you haven't answered the question. That's just how it is, and they all in the scriptures. So the man of God asks her, he says, what do you have? In the beginning, that 4-2 and A, Carlin's, he says to her, what do you have? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And the widow comes to the prophet Elisha. She says, I need a miracle. My husband is dead. The creditors are after my son. They're going to take my house, my car, my boat, everything. But even more than that, they're going to take my sons into slavery until this debt is paid. And the prophet asks her a question that was holding up the miracle provision in her life. He said, what do you have? And it kind of seems like an insensitive question at first. It kind of seems like tone deaf. She's telling you that she's about to lose her children into slavery. And he says, what do you have? It seems like a question that's out of left field. She lost her husband. She lost her income. Uh, her husband was a prophet, so they lost their ministry to a st- in a sense. Um, and she needs this miracle provision. But the prophet turns around on her and says, what do you have? Before the situation can change, the focus has to shift. And this is true for all of us. Before your circumstance can change, a lot of times your perspective has to change. Because what's going on around you, it will change once something changes inside of you. And this is why preaching is so important, because the Word of God changes our perspective. Have you ever come into the house one way and left a different way? In fact, the Old Testament, that was a rule, and I've preached that a lot of times. But if you came in that door, you had to go out that door, because you could not leave the same way you came in. And when you come into a house of worship, when you come into the presence of God, when the Word of God gives you direction, you don't have to leave the same way you came in. And I have people after church all the time, they'll tell me, I never saw it that way. And and it's not me, it's God. But just one moment from the preached word of God can change your whole life. Because for her, she had to shift from what I lost to what I have. And when you change from what I don't have to what I do have... Don't let me get my head in myself now. 1 Corinthians 1.21, it says that preaching saves them that believe. Preaching will open a door and you can decide to walk through it or not. Because it said, for them that believe, meaning they chose to believe. And so preaching does not just change. We talk about preaching changing us. It doesn't just change us on its own, like touches you with a magic wand. But what it does is it opens a door and you can either walk through it or you can walk away from it. 
there's a lot of reasons for the tradition of an altar call, but one of those reasons, I believe, is to just, it's a physical manifestation of me saying, I'm walking into the Word today. I'm walking to the altar today. I'm walking into everything God has for me today. And, and preaching, you know, how many have ever been in, in church where you felt like the preacher was preaching at you? I don't do that. That's God, by the way. I'm not like, okay, I'm writing this message for her because she called me this week. Or I'm writing this message for him because it's not, it's not that way. <laughs> but you guys know the Bible says that every word has an assignment and that it will attach itself and it will perform it and perfect it. So sometimes I've been in service, like this guy's preaching at me. And if you feel like it's awkward for you, try being me sometimes because it's awkward for me up here sometimes. And preaching is that way. But what preaching does is it creates opportunity. Somebody says, the word changed my life. Yes, it did. But what it did is it opened a door that you decided to walk through. It asked you a question that you decided to answer. It gave you instruction that you decided to obey. It illuminated God's will, God's call, God's assignment, God's purpose on your life. And you can either answer that question and obey that instruction or not. But I tell you today, by the power of the word of God, if you will answer that question, there's a miracle on the other side. If you will obey that instruction, God's call is on the other side. And the only thing that's stopping what God already wants to do in your life is your obedience to the call of God. And so Elisha asks her that question to see if she would answer. And this is what preaching does. It illuminates things. It reaches into the depths of our heart. It searches our heart. It asks us questions. And in that moment, the preached word of God, it will reveal lies that you've believed from the enemy. The preached word of God will break bondage that you've been in for far too long. Sin that you thought that, that wasn't hurting you. It reveals to you. And all of a sudden, it's like, I've got to get out of this sin. I've got to get out of this addiction. I've got to get out of this bondage. I've been in slave. I've been trapped. God has greater things for me. And all of a sudden the preach word opens a door and you say, I can get out of this thing. I can walk into blessing. The curse of poverty can be broken over my life. I'm walking into new things. And the Bible says it's a double-edged sword that it breaks, that it cuts through the flesh, cuts dividing soul and spirit, cut to the heart, revealing the hearts and minds of us. I like how somebody said that teaching tells you what the Bible says. Preaching tells you what to do about it. (laughs) Preaching will tell you what to do about it. Elisha was asking her a question to see if she would answer the call. She needed to change her perspective. She says, I have nothing. And I think it's easy for all of us to get in a place in life where we feel that lack, that poverty. I have no joy. I have no peace. I have no body. I have no good thing. And she was in that moment of grief. She had lost her husband. And she says, I I don't have anything. She had a husband that was a prophet and was in the group that Elisha oversaw. But she still had two sons. Amen. Somebody helping me. Yeah. There we go. Nemia, she was sitting in between her two sons. She still had two sons, Nemia. She still had a roof over her head. She still had possessions. No doubt there was trouble, but God had never failed her yet. And she needed to shift her focus from what she didn't have to what she did have, to what God hadn't done yet, to what God had already done. 
She needed to see the blessing on her life, not the lack in her life. See, it's so easy for us to see what we don't have. It's so easy for us to see the lack. But God's call on your life today is to say, look what the Lord has done. I can't tell it all. He's done so much for me. Look what the Lord has done. Look how God has blessed me. Look how God has healed me. Look how God has done good things for me. And so the prophet is trying to lead her there like, what do you have, honey? What's in your house? What's in your hand? What do you have? And she says, nothing. For a second Kings 4, 2, B there, Carlins, I broke this verse up. She says, nothing at all. I ain't got nothing. Which could not have been true. Surely you got a chair. You got a bed. You got a shower. You got soap. You got two sons. You got clothes. The prophet's sitting there thinking, you don't got shoes we could liquidate? You don't got purses we could liquidate? Something we can put on Facebook Marketplace, something. Something we can liquidate in the house. You ain't got a pillow, you ain't got a window, not a pan, not a pot, not a vase, not a pitcher, not Tupperware, not a bottle. Come on, you got to have something. The prophet wanted her to shift her mindset. Because before God blesses, provides, and opens heaven, you're sitting there saying you have nothing. So why would he give you something else when you're looking at all the things he's given you and you're calling it nothing? Until you look and say, God has done so much for me that he's not going to open heaven and give you more. It's so easy to focus on the lack when there's a lot of blessing. It's so easy to focus on the problem when there's a lot of good. It's so easy to look at the problem when there's a lot of promise. And the prophet says, what do you have? What is good in your life? What is praiseworthy? What is your testimony? And this is why Philippians 4 and 8 is so, is so powerful. Paul tells the church at Philippi, he's, he's writing while he's in prison. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Whatever's admirable, if there be anything, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything, like if there's one thing that's excellent, if there's one thing that's praiseworthy, think about that thing. Because if you can begin to say, God's done so much for me, God has a way of pouring more into your life. But as long as your confession is nothing, if your testimony is nothing, there's a shut-off valve. What if your kids were saying, Mom, Dad, you ain't done nothing for me. Okay. <laughs> we're going to see then. <laughs> we're about to see. <laughs> and sometimes we're just like that. You say, what's God done? Nothing. What's God blessed you with? Nothing. Jesus told a parable of the seed and the sower. And it's a powerful parable. I'm not going to dive into it deep, but at the end of it, they said, Lord, we don't understand. And he said, okay, let me break it down for you. And one of the pieces he breaks down in Matthew 13, verse 12, he says, whoever has been given, uh, whoever has, will, whoever has, I'm going too fast, whoever has will be given more and they'll be, they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have 
will be taken from them. As in there's people that are saying they don't have, but then what they do have, they're actually going to lose that because there's a shut-off valve that says if you're not grateful, if you can't praise Him, if you can't thank Him, that He's going to shut that off. But there's a power when somebody says, you know what, it might not be much, but what I have, I'm lifting up to the Lord. What I have, I'm giving to you. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. It might just be a turkey leg, but I'm thankful for it. And God says, there's a family, got a turkey leg. Send them yams. Send them, send them potatoes. Send them sweet. Send them all kind of good stuff because that family is grateful for what God has done. But there's this other guy saying, no, God ain't done nothing. Okay. That window of heaven closes up over top of their life. And she says, I have nothing. Prophet, I have nothing. The prophet's like, nothing? Like, nothing. I just feel like there was a stare off almost like right now. Like, you sure? Nothing. Come on. Nothing. A couch? Nothing. Okay, I do have some oil. Verse 4 and 2. Okay, I do have some oil. But she says it's not much. This is the lie of the enemy. To tell you not even to pour it out because it's not enough. Well, I I don't have enough to meet the need, so I'm not even going to try. She said nothing because she believed the lie of the enemy, what she meant is it's not enough. But it wasn't nothing. She said nothing because it wasn't enough to pay off the creditors. She said nothing because it wasn't enough for her future to retire on, to raise her children, to live off, and it truly was not enough. But the problem is, we focus on the not enough. I don't have enough money to tithe. I don't have enough money to give in an offering. I don't have the ability to, to serve. I, I, I don't have enough time to, to, to volunteer at church. I don't have enough hope to, to even go to church today. I don't have enough strength to get to the house of God. I don't have enough faith. I, I, I don't have enough, whatever it is. But what I've learned in ministry and what I've learned from this book is you got to be comfortable with the not enough. Peter didn't have enough strength to walk on water. That boy didn't have enough loaves and uh, fish to feed 5,000. But if you'll surrender the not enough, the God of more than enough partners with your not enough. And when you don't have enough, you tap into his more than enough. And God is just asking you to just pour out what you got. Just put what you have in his hand. Just just step out of the boat in faith, and God will do the rest. If you'll do the little, he'll do the much. If you do what you can do, he'll do what he can do. And so we all have something, but the enemy has us look at it and say, it's not enough. But the Lord just says, pour out what you got. She had loss. She lost her husband, lost her income. Lost interest payments to the creditors. But God was not asking her what she didn't have. He was asking her, what do you have? And God is not asking you what you don't have. 
He's asking you what you do have. He said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. He said, Peter, go catch a fish and your tax burden is in the fish's mouth. He, they told Jesus, they said, what is five loaves and two fish among so many? He said, bring it to me. I'll bless it. I'll break it. I'll multiply it because I am the God of, oh, somebody ought to get a hold of that today. I don't have enough, but I know who does. And if I put it in his hand, he will bless it and multiply it to be more than enough. And if we'll get that today, it will change your life. When she understood that and she finally answered the prophet's question, there was a flow of oil. The miracle started. And all of a sudden, she looks to her boys and she says, okay, get the vessels. Get as many vessels as we have. Get the jars. They get the jars. She's like, get the bottles. They get the bottles. It's still flowing. Get the pitchers. They got the pitchers. It's still flowing. Pots, they get pots, it's still flowing. Vases, it's still flowing. Juice bottles, milk cartons, Tupperware, cardboard box, just get anything we got. Now they're going to the neighbor's house, getting them in on the miracle and the vision and the dream, saying, hey, if you've got anything, we've got miraculous flow happening. Verse 3, Elisha tells her, he says, get as many as you can get. Even if you go to friends and neighbors, we just need vessels. Now she knows what's happening. Now she knows what to do. You know, she could have prayed and cried and shouted and danced and just had a, ooh, just a praise dance right there. But you know what? She'd answered the question. Now it's time to obey the instruction. You know, people come to the altar and they know what to do, but they go back to it on Monday, Tuesday, next Friday, next Saturday night, because they know what to do, but the key is to do it. And those vessels did not fill themselves. The miracle flow was there. I tell you, there's miracle flow for anything you need. There's miracle flow for power, miracle flow for provision, miracle flow for deliverance. God's just waiting on you to obey His instruction. And and, and so now she's filling it up. And the big thing that God that we need God to do is just in the small thing that I have left to do. I don't know what God's asking you to do, but if you'll step into it, God will do the rest. There was not enough in that jar, but once the hand of God got on it, it was more than they could ever hold. And whatever it is in your life, it might be financial, it might be a poverty of joy, it could be a poverty of of in relationship. I don't know what the poverty is in your life, but that poverty can be broken off if you will just begin to give God what I have. It's not enough time, but I give it to you. It's not enough talent, but I give it to you. Not enough treasure, but I give it to you. And as you pour, it connects you with the source of not enough. And God will say, you won't even have enough to hold the power and the anointing that I have available for you. Reminds me of Malachi 3 where it says, I'll pour out such a blessing from heaven that you will not have room to contain it. Marcelo, I don't know who's back there in Spanish translation. I got to cut these last pages. Music come. I did this in the first service too. This is, um, if you are here two weeks ago, you know I preached from this same chapter. I, I don't think I've ever done that before. But I just wanted to turn the corner 
from that next generation talk about the enemy coming for our children and turn the corner and say, but the answer is in the vessel. The answer is the vessel. I started out by saying the oil's not running out. It's just the vessels run out. If you read this story, in fact, here it is in verse 6-7. It says, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said. And then her son says, there's not any more. There aren't any more. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. She tells the man of God what happened. He says, go sell the oil, pay off all your debts. You're free. There's freedom. There's deliverance for you and your family. But here was my heart, and, and, and I actually said it at the end of that message two weeks ago, but just very, very briefly, because as I was preparing that message, it was just rising up in me, because I believe this church is at a place where we need some vessels. The harvest is there. I, I tell you, I really believe our city, our community, our neighborhood, our state, our country is ready for revival. I, I, I was saying two weeks ago that the answer is the church. The answer is not going to come from a politician. It's not going to come from a government program. It's not going to come from just, oh, the calendar year change. It, that, that's not going to fix our world. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus died for the church. And when Jesus left this earth, his plan was that the church would carry his word, that we would be the body, his hands, his feet, Make no mistake, the church is plan A, and there's no plan B. Amen. So we need more churches, not less. We need bigger churches, not downsizing churches. We need more services, not less. We need more ministries, not less. And so I think we're at a place right now where it's like, okay, this house has served us for a generation, but we're filling this house, we're stretching its limits. And I tell you, God is not running out of financial provision. God's not running out of anything. He's just running out of vessels that will trust Him and pour out of what they have. I mean, well, it was a risk for her to pour that out, right? Like, I, I've only got four ounces, uh, Elisha, uh, prophet. If I pour out these four ounces and it's gone, then we're, we're done. So it was a risk. It was a risk for Peter to leave the safety of a boat in a storm to step out on a wave. It's always a risk. But when you do that, it's a step of faith that connects you to everything that God has for you. Say it with me all over the house. And I just want to tell you today, and this was, this was my heart at the end of that sermon last two weeks ago, is there's enough in the house she eventually went and got some neighbors and some some other people and to be more vessels but i want to tell you there's enough for everything that god wants to do in this house in this family that's why i started out from the beginnings just talking about some of the highlights the things that god's done in our church but there's enough in this house i don't know how god's going to unfold the next chapter in our church Maybe, I, I think sometimes we just think some super Christian's going to come and write a big check. And, and if God does that, that's great. I'll cash it, you know, whatever. That's cool. <laughs> right? But, but I think, I just think that God does it in the house. Yeah. It's a lot of people that are pouring. 
It's a lot of ordinary vessels that God's doing extraordinary things in. And God's doing extraordinary things through just ordinary people that are saying, God, I'm going to trust you and you're going to enact the miracle. And I don't know what it is in your life, but if you need a flow from God, it's available today. I'm going to have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. They're going to sing in just a moment. But before they do, I want to pray and I want to invite. I want to invite our prayer partners to help me in the front today. But I want to invite you right now to just, would you just lift your hand if you believe that God has a touch for you, that there's a source available in your life that you need? Maybe would you just raise your hand if you feel like God's giving you instruction right now? Would you just raise your hand if you feel like God's asking you a question right now? And there's so many hands raised all over this house. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray and as and they begin to sing, I want to invite you to the altar because I believe just with our feet we can walk into some things today. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name over this house. Lord, you see every heart, you see every mind, you see every need, you see every situation, God. Lord, there's hands raised all over this house, and I know there's unique people, unique situations, unique families, unique businesses. But God, I just pray right now that there would be a flow into their life as they say yes to your will and to your way, and I pray it right now. Let the power of Jesus flow in this house. Let the power of the Holy Spirit flow right now in Jesus' name. If you feel that, I invite you to come today. Prayer partners are here. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.